And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable. The most audible. Hold the applause. <laughs> like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots. When Welcome I to... Anything is possible. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan, joined as always by the kid, the god, the legend himself, El Nino, which is Spanish for the Nino. Celtics beat reporter from the Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And Jay, I got to tell you right now, this is like game seven against the Miami Heat. I am clearly uh, the Jason Tatum of this group. You're the Jalen Brown, but I'm I'm not feeling it today. I uh, I've been in New York City for an internship. The city's beat me up. I'm I'm playing on a sprained ankle. I'm going to need you to step up. And are you going to score or are you going to turn the ball over? Are you going to dribble the ball off your foot? Which version of Jalen Brown do you think you're going to be in today's podcast? Is it deep in the playoffs? Are the Celtics playing a super disciplined team? Uh, I would say for this podcast, no. So then, then I'm good. I'm gonna score like fifty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring a bring our podcast back from a fourteen point deficit to force overtime against the Orlando Magic in the final four minutes and have a fifty ball. Well, you said the Magic, so I know that you're not talking any truth because there's no way the Celtics would be close with the Orlando Magic. Jalen Brown did that. He literally did that I... two years ago, right? Oh, two years ago. I can't even remember what happened this season. Uh, yeah, he had a 51-point performance. I think it was 51, where he scored. He brought them back from a 14-point deficit in the final four minutes against the Orlando Magic. Well, there you go. That's what Jay... How I, do you I, not I, remember that? I don't. We, we've seen 160 games since then. Nearly 200 game basketball games. I don't it know. was 50. It was not 51. It was 50. Was it in Boston or in Orlando? It was in Boston. Okay. Now I'm now I'm kind of it's kind of coming back to me, but you know maybe that's that's just that's just Tatum playing on the the injured ankle, you know, just passing the ball away, setting you up to try and uh, get you to drive. Um, we got Celtics news. We got I would say two and a half items of Celtics news. First one, they have a lead assistant coach. I thought uh, Sam Cassell was being brought nope. in to be the lead assistant, nope. but nope. Because Some, Joe Mazzulla is doing the big ball dance. He brought in somebody else, too. It was Mazzulla's decision to bring in Charles Lee from the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Brad, Brad Stevens said it would be Mazzulla leading the charge for his staff. So I, I'm, I'm honestly not 100% sure who made the call on that. But I am 100% sure that Charles Lee has an awesome reputation around the league. He was someone the Celtics had interest in when they ended up hiring Ime Udoka as their head coach. They clearly hold him in high regard. And everyone you talk to about Charles Lee 
just says that number one, Charles Lee is an awesome human being. And number two, he's a really, really good coach and a head coach in waiting. So he's that's good. That's a pretty good hire. And he, and he's young, he's energetic. He's probably a lot of, he checks off a lot of boxes for the Celtics as they try to rebuild their, their coaching staff after some high profile departures in the last year or so. My first reaction is that he's a first name, last name guy. Like you're never just going to call him Lee or Charles. He's Charles Lee, always going to be Charles Lee. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a hundred percent true. I was always Jay King. Yeah, like it, it was never just Jay. I guess it was sometimes Kinger, but I was often Jay King. That I mean, that makes sense. Some people are just like that. Some people just have names that flow like that. But Charles Lee is a lot bit more like that. Yeah, definitely so. Because I've heard people call you Jay, but you talk to people who are close to him. He just seems like he has an extremely positive uh, kind of vibe, and um, he's not. A, it doesn't seem like he's a can't get too high, can't get too low kind of guy. From reading your article, it just seems like he's a can't get too low. Always high. Would you just say? Always would, high. Would you describe yeah. him that way? <laughs> yeah, seems to be a very energetic guy, someone who people love being around and like working with. And over the course of a long season, that's a big deal. That alone is a big deal. Now he also has a lot of basketball knowledge. He's a guy whose X's and O's are respected. And in Milwaukee, he was under Mike Budenholzer who, yes, has flaws as a head coach, but also provided an awesome structure for a defense that was regularly among the best in the league and typically had teams that were super disciplined and played his system extremely well and is great at coaching that and has a – his coaching tree is, like, pretty pretty Not awesome. Bad. Like, Quinn Snyder was on his staff for a year. So I don't know if he counts in the coaching tree, but but we'll we'll give it to him. We'll I would give say it they're to they're him. brothers of the same branch of what of are they, would that be the, the pop coaching the tree? Yeah, yeah. Taylor Jenkins, that's another one. Uh, Kenny Atkinson, who's the other one? There's another one. I'm missing one. But all of them are. Oh, and Darvin Ham. How could I forget Darvin Ham, who went into L.A. and was very ready as a first year head coach to lead the Lakers beyond where anyone really thought that they would go. So awesome coaching tree. And I think it'll be beneficial to the Celtics to have that perspective. Somebody who worked under Budenholzer and kind of has that a history of, of that structure. And I think it'll also be helpful for Charles Lee to see like a totally different system uh, with so much switching and everything else. I just think, the differences of his background versus where the Celtics are will really help Joe Missoula and really help Charles Lee. I think just the differences there will just be mutually beneficial. Do you have any sense of like his, does he have a background or a specialty? Like clearly Missoula feels like he puts a lot of emphasis on the offensive end. Is there any sense of like, he's been dubbed the lead assistant. Does that mean he's like mostly in charge of defense or do you, have you gotten any sense of that from, your diligent reporting. I'm not entirely sure what the responsibilities were there. Um, I think from what I gather, I think Budenholzer has guys do like a little bit of everything. So I don't know if there was necessarily just 
he was if he was just a specialist. Um, but he worked closely with Chris Middleton. He worked close closely with Grayson Allen, and and obviously both of those guys during Charles Lee's time with the team played like really made progress. If Chris only the Middleton. Celtics had a shooting guard who could make some progress in the offseason or maybe develop some some elite skills. <laughs> Are you saying that Jalen Brown needs to develop elite skills? Uh, yeah, I think dribbling, passing, decision making are all things that he could uh, work on being the focal point of the offense. If he could be as I don't know, my my views of Chris Middleton are now mixed from one time he'd be an absolute demon to uh, I guess he has, has certainly had his moments in the playoffs, but I think Jalen's development is, is a kind of a major factor of how the Celtics team will improve moving forward. And so if Chucky Lee can do anything to uh, to help him get to that improvement, I think that's a great thing for the Celtics. Now, this the it seems like a lot of guys left the staff. Are there still hires to be made to kind of fill out the coaching staff or, or is do we think this is done? My guess would be that'll probably be like the the two main assistants that they hire um i wouldn't be surprised if they hire like a lower level assistant another one how many guys do you get on the front of the bench is it only two i think it's three so it's a I big, believe it's a big three. position who's who's a front of bench guy who's a back of bench guy that's a big uh, delineation in terms of level of coaching huge delineation there are, There's a whole bench there. Although some, <laughs> sometimes who knows if it's addictive. Joe Mazzulla was a back of the bench guy, and then he was a head coach the next year. Some so, might argue it was indicative uh, and that he coached like a back of the bench guy. Not me. Not me personally. I thought Joe did a great job, but some people might argue that it's a, a symbol of hierarchy. But they clearly still have some guys to add to the staff, especially after being, I feel like, super short staff at the end of last year. Yeah, the, I mean – these were two really good hires and they they got like the response that I got to the Charles Lee hiring was similar to the response that I got when the Celtics hired Will Hardy in when Ime was was first named head coach and it, that was basically everyone had that I spoke to has a lot of respect for him considers him a head coach in waiting thinks he has all the tools to be that type of leader, that type of 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 coach and and so it's just a seems to me like it's a big deal to have that that type of guy on staff and I think like by the end of last season there was definitely like a talent drain on that staff and they needed to replenish that somehow. They needed I think a of a, a voice of a longtime NBA player, and that was Sam Cassell, and he's gonna come in and give that perspective. And then they needed like a future head coach, like someone with a lot of talent and that type of mindset, mentality, everything. And Charles Lee, I think, is that, and everybody sees him as that. And obviously, he's come really close to getting a bunch of head coaching jobs in the past. He's interviewed for like seems like half the league already at one point or another over the last two or three years. But it just seems like a, a really big hire for their staff. That's that's one that they should be really excited about. Is there a risk, like, similar to Will Hardy, of him just then getting yeah. another head coaching job after one season? Ab- 
absolutely. <laughs> he's he's interviewed in a lot of places. That's the problem he, bringing in talented people. He Maybe. chose the Celtics after, I believe it was the Raptors and Pistons were both considering him, and that. But like that's that's who you want on your staff is a guy who's going to be a head coach soon because he's really freaking good at being an assistant coach. Like, why would why would you want to head somebody who's not going to be a head coach? And I think it like one of one of the best things Eme did was he brought in a loaded staff, right? He brought in he brought in Will Hardy, brought in Ben Sullivan, brought in Aaron Miles. He had Joe Mazzulla who was retained on staff. That staff was awesome, and and now Joe has has done the same, or the Celtics have done the same with Joe. I don't know exactly who was in charge of hiring. But like it's a it it was huge to replenish that talent and get someone like Charles Lee, um, and I like I I don't think I ju- I just think it's a really big deal, a really big deal. That's a really big deal. That's gonna be the name of the episode: Charles Lee colon a really big deal. Uh, here's a and question. Look, look uh, back to your question. If people on your staff go other places and get head coaching jobs, then more people will want to come to your staff because then they'll get head coaching jobs elsewhere. And even though even though Joe, like the the external, there was a lot of criticism of Joe this year. I think the sometime well deserved, according to Marcus Smart. <laughs> I believe rightfully so. Rightfully, rightfully so, so, yeah. The uh, I think the the belief inside the league from coaches looking at the Celtics situation was that Joe could be in that position for a long time. Getting on Joe's staff could mean longevity, and Joe's going to be really good. And that that's the sense that I got from the people around the league who I talked to, and it's so it was a a very different outlook, I think, on on Missoula and his situation from inside the league versus outside. And and so I, I think that shows like the the two guys that they hired, Charles Lee and Sam Cassell, were were guys who were probably pursued and, and I, certainly in Charles Lee's case, I know he was pursued by a number of other clubs to be their lead assistant. And he chose Boston. And I think the situation there, obviously they're a great team, so that helps. But I also think people look at Joe as as someone who can handle the job. And at his age, he's 34, 35 years old, whatever he is now. I don't know when his birthday is. Um, Some reporter you are. It It's possible that getting on his staff is like the best longevity you could get in a league where, like if he is good. If he does prove himself and he he he'll be there for a long time. And it's a job where people get fired all the time. It's a job where assistants are always looking for new homes. And so I, I get this I got the sense from talking to people that a lot of people were interested on in being on Joe Missoula's staff. And I don't think it's just and this is me talking out of my ass because I don't know anything, but it's not just like Joe Missoula's staff, but it's just like a very good organizational situation where you have yeah. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for the long term. I think it seems like Brad would be a pretty good 
boss as a general manager because if anyone's going to understand the pressures of coaching the Boston Celtics, it's a guy who's coached the Boston Celtics. You have ownership that's generally willing to spend money. And so it definitely feels like a place you would want to be. You're going to be around winning. It's a good place to raise your profile or offer that stability, as you mentioned. Um, There's been a lot of talk this offseason, Jay, about whether or not they should run it back, run it like, what can they do? People are clamoring for moves. But can you really say they just ran it back when they added Charles Lee, Sam Cassell, and Danilo Gallinari, who opted in today to what? $6 million deal? Um, People might remember uh, from discussions on this podcast, Danilo, quite tall. One of the taller individuals. Uh, Huge man. Huge just man. Just a giant individual. Also pretty old. Is he the biggest guy on the Celtics? He might be. I feel like Luke Cornett. Other than Luke Cornett. Other than Luke Cornett. <laughs> well, then, yeah, biggest is the wrong I word. guess Blake Griffin probably would, but he, I don't think, I doubt he'll be back just because of his age and contract situation. Well, that's an interesting, what's, what's Blake Griffin? He doesn't want a veteran minimum to ride the bench again. If they made him Gino, he'd be back. If they gave him a cult of personality, uh, he would be back with the Celtics, but who knows? But here, we're not here to talk about Blake. That was a tangent. What do you think Gallo can actually provide this team in the 23-24 season? He's been a superb offensive player basically since he got in the league. So <laughs> I was a ball boy for his Knicks team. I believe it was his rookie season. And he had a uh, a back injury. And so he wasn't participating in training camp. I watched him go through shooting drills. And he drained like 90% with his right hand. And then he switched to his left hand and hit like 90% of threes with his left hand. I was like, my God, that huge man has an <laughs> incredible stroke. He's probably going to be pretty good. And he was offensively. He's been awesome since then. He he can really shoot the ball. I think he shot close to forty percent or above forty percent in three of the last four seasons, four of the last five seasons. But he's he's regularly around forty percent. And not only that, but he can beat switches in the post, which is that's a big thing. Like your offense breaks down. Team switch, put a guard on Gallo, and he can go down there and he can go get a bucket in the post. So that I mean, who who knows what he'll look like after a year off? He was already very slow <laughs> <laughs> compared to other NBA players to begin with. So I don't know what he'll have left physically. I don't know who he'll be able to guard, how much he'll be able to guard, how much their defense will suffer with him on the court. Those are all important questions but offensively if he's even close to even what he was in Atlanta he's somebody who's going to open up the offense and and help the the scoring and and do it in a super efficient way I think the big question is like he was slow he's coming off an injury would he have made it onto the floor in the playoffs like would he be part of the rotation if he was healthy yeah like it's it just it last year would a healthy Gallo change things because I do think in watching the finals I thought Aaron Gordon just being a giant guy who could punish the Heat switches and just be and get buckets in the post was a huge advantage for the Nuggets 
which seemingly the Celtics did not have. And so being having a guy who can kind of do that for you, I think uh, is important. That being said, if he is such a minus on defense that he's just automatically targeted, that he might just not be a playoff player at this point. And so it's like, how bad, how bad will he be on defense? What is his inability to move and kind of, I think for the and, regular season, you just and need how guys much can like you that. hide him, right? Yeah. How much can you hide him? Because you look at Kevin Love this year, you would not have thought that he'd be the type of guy to be able to hold up in the playoffs. And granted, there were tough situations for him. He wasn't always in the heat rotation. There were times he didn't play at all. But he also had a significant role for them during portions of the playoffs because they were able to hide him. And then his shooting and overall ability to to know the game just helped them and his size and and i think that's the best case for gallinari is that he's able to be in the right spot defensively do what they ask of him and then at the other end just just be someone they can count on to make shots and space the court and who knows like they talked about using him at center before the season that was my next question. I can't remember if he's at all good at like low post defense or like could be I'm not saying he could guard Joel Embiid, but could he guard a large man? He yeah, he's huge. He's <laughs> no, huge, but can but, he move his feet? But, <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> but but he's smart and he's huge. And if you remember like the way Nemanja Bielica was able to play some pretty good defense against the Celtics in the finals a couple years ago. Being huge, it matters. It's, being huge it's and smart. Helpful. Being huge and smart is a really important thing in basketball, and Gallinari is both of those things. So we'll see. I, I it, it'll be intriguing to see whether he has a a spot in the rotation because obviously Sam Hauser can play the four if they bring Grant Williams back. He can play the four. Al Horford probably can still play some four. Although that might not be a thing they can use all the time. So it's kind of crowded if especially if they bring Grant back, but but there could be some some time for him, especially if he comes back and he's moderately healthy. Well, you brought up Grant, which is a nice little segue to a segment I'm calling Wild Grant Williams speculation. In your prediction uh, article, you said that you do not think he was coming back. I don't know if that was sourced on anything, but time to do some wild Grant Williams speculation. What do you think is going to happen with him and his restricted free agency? That I think it all depends on what happens with the rest of the Celtics. Do they make moves? That's at, such a cop-out answer. It's a cop-out answer, but it's also the truth. right? Like, Do they make other moves to shed salary? Are they... Do they make a move to add long-term salary? Because if that's the case, with the new collective bargaining agreement, adding an eighth or ninth man, whatever Grant Williams is, and paying him significant money would probably be a bad thing. Um, yeah. Do they go out? Do they go out and get a starting level power forward, which I think is a possible path for them? If they do, again, it might not be worth it to have somebody making significant money in that position off the bench. So. I think a, it, a lot will go into whether Grant Williams comes back to the Celtics. Um, he obviously was in and out of the rotation at points this year. He wasn't 
but then at, at times during the playoffs, like he was a an important piece of what they were doing. So, you know, it's it weird. Go, he was it could out go of the either way. He was only out of the rotation for like two games in the regular season. I think he did play like seventy nine games this year, and then was out of the rotation in the playoffs. That didn't make any sense because uh, it seemed like he definitely had some value. I think the other factor here, if we're giving cop out answers, is are is there another team out there ready to like sign him? to a deal that they're going to have to match within a, a short period of time, because I'm looking at, there's not a lot of teams with cap space. Like are the rockets really going to rockets play? could be a spot is he and Ime Udoka seem to have a, a good working relationship. Um, and obviously just someone who's smart and tough would be a real help there. And, and young too. Um, the the Indiana Pacers, Pacers I think, Spurs would, would potentially be a, a good spot. Yeah, the Spurs. There are there are a number of places among those teams with cap space where you could they could at least talk about among themselves about whether to bring in a, a young guy who shot forty percent ish from three and can and is versatile defensively and tough and never shies away from the moment in the playoffs like that's the type of guy who can help your culture who can help you on the court who fills an obvious role in a lot of situations so to me if i were one of those teams yeah grant williams would definitely be someone i'd want to pursue the spurs make sense to me just in next to wemby where it's like if wemby has one flaw it's that he's a, a skinny boy who can get pushed off the ball Grant Williams can just go like be a very physical force, and we've seen him like defend centers and just yeah, be he, the physical guy. Like he can take on if you don't want to put up Wembenyama against these big physical centers. Like having a guy like Grant in there, and also like Grant, as much as I think he, some people don't like him because he's annoying on the court or like complaining. Grant's just like a fantastic human being, and everyone just has good things to say about him. And in terms of like building a culture and a locker room guy. I definitely think that's like uh, certainly appealing to a coach like Pop, who seems to like really value good human beings and smart individuals, which I think Grant is. Absolutely, and to your point about the the defensive fit with Wembenyama, Grant, well, he was a guy who he guarded Embiid a, a lot of the time when he was on the court. He guarded Jokic a lot of the time when he was on the court. He he can take on those matchups and free you up to to use Wembenyama in other ways. Now, are you that interested in like putting the right pieces around Wembenyama right away? Maybe not. Maybe you'd rather like save that money for a, a different day. But it, he would make a lot of sense in a lot of different places because he is versatile. He he can do a, a lot of different things on the court, and and like you said. He's just a guy that raises the energy every day that is very well liked. He's always like one of the leaders in the teammate of the year award, which I don't even know how they vote for that, but but he he's always up there and he's deserving of it. He's a selfless dude who handled a really tough situation well this season um, in Boston. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside 
to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And I think it, my cop-out answer, again, is going to be really depending on the offer sheet because if someone gives them a big deal or especially a long-term deal, I think it might make the Celtics pretty hesitant to keep him um, just because it feels like the teams are, might be willing to go over that second apron for one year. But if you have a long-term money to grant and then Jalen's extension kicks in and then Jason's extension kicks in, it just doesn't make sense to have, unless you really see Grant Williams as your starting power forward of the future, it doesn't make sense to be contributing that much money, I think, to a bench player. And so um, I think it will really depend. And also on when you have Sam Hauser, who probably capable of playing playoff minutes right now, even though he, he, even though he wasn't usually in the playoff rotation, like I don't think he's a super minus in a playoff series. And that's Even the exact the way he was this past season, and that's without whatever development he should have. And that's the exact kind of trade-off that I think the new CBA is going to force teams to make, where it's like, if we have a younger guy in here on a, a more affordable contract, he may not do everything that the the Grant Williams can do, but we're just not going to have to pay him that amount of money, and we'd rather have that flexibility and not be kind of restricted based on what uh, comes with all the penalties that come with that second apron. All right, Jay, it's time for you to shine. Mr. Second Round himself. Who should I be looking out for with pick 35 in next week's draft? I love Jordan Walsh. I Jordan love, Walsh. Tell I me lo- about I him. I love Jordan Walsh. I've never he, heard of him. He was super high energy. Oh, like yeah. Tyler and uh, Coley were talking about him. He looks like Popeye Jones. I see the Popeye Jones in him. He... He's so high energy. He has every defensive tool you would really want. He guarded guards. He switched on bigs. Like he pressures pressures to the ball. Like he is, I think, going to be a high level defender at the NBA level. And he's young enough. He was a five star recruit, and he does some things offensively that make you think, yeah, you know, maybe one day he'll he'll actually be a. a pretty good offensive player on top of all the defensive help and the length 
and the size. So Jordan Walsh, he didn't have a ton of stats as a freshman, and I understand why. Like he can't, he couldn't shoot. Didn't even really want to shoot much of the time. But I'm a big Jordan Walsh guy. <laughs> there's something about there's something about him. He's just tough, man. He's just tough, and and I would bet on somebody like that. Granted, I know nothing about him as a person. I know nothing about him beyond the way he plays basketball while I can see him play basketball for 30 minutes during a 40-minute game or whatever it is. But to me, like the tougher guys are the ones I'd like to bet on, and he seems really tough. And he was also a five-star recruit who, like, sacrificed a lot of his game to to play on a team that was that was pretty good so i'm a jordan walsh guy i feel like with a second round pick brad stevens is would absolutely pick a tough guy who makes his bread uh, on the defensive end of the court brad never played a rookie until they like kind of learned how to play defense so that kind of makes sense right now just tankathon has him going 44 so presumably he'll be available Oh, uh, but who else is on your on your list if it's not uh, Jordan Walsh? Uh, Brandon Podjemski is kind of like the exact opposite type of player, <laughs> a uh, offensive player who offensive can minded shoot. can shoot the crap out of it. Sort of like Luke Kennard without the brand name of going to Duke and everything. Lefty, ooh, a lefty shooter from Santa Clara, averaged twenty points a game uh, in eight boards, yeah. and he was a total non-factor at Illinois the year before hardly ever played transferred and immediately became one of the best players in college basketball and he just has a lot of offensive game I think he needs to learn more how to like like better shoot shooting versatility um he needs to be able to take more threes than he did because he's a great three-point shooter already and if he can take more of them that would only help him the obvious questions about his athleticism and everything like that size, not the biggest dude in the world, but he's a really productive dude who was super efficient in a big role last year at Santa Clara. And he's still pretty young, even though he played two years in college. So Brandon Podjemski, I'm a, uh, he'd be a cool flyer to take on, I think for some team. And there's a chance that he's just, really good at offense and good enough that his whatever defensive limitations he has won't really matter. Now tell me what you're hearing about Zivana Miravisic uh, from SC Derby. Um, I know you're really locked into his scouting report. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> He's not someone I spent too much time scouting. I just looked at the second round on Tankathon and uh, looked at the, the goofiest name on there. Um, my only other question about the draft is Amani Bates Jr. Like highly no, regarded. No. You're just completely out on him. No. Nope. Do you care to explain yourself, or you just uh, you're just no? He was super highly regarded. He was a like people call him the next Kevin Durant. And if he hadn't been called the next Kevin Durant, nobody would even consider drafting him right now because. He his time at Memphis was disappointing to say the least. He went to Eastern Michigan after that and wasn't in, wasn't efficient. He can't really hasn't shown the ability to get good shots. He 
hasn't shown the ability to be an efficient scorer and scoring is what he does. He's still really young and obviously he's tall and lanky and sometimes makes tough shots, but he shot 40.5% from the field while playing in the Mac last year. He shot 33% from three while playing in the Mac last year. He didn't have great stealer block rates while playing in the Mac last year. So I I would not be the guy to take a flyer on Imani Bates. I don't feel like we needed to disparage the MAC conference so much, but uh, here we are. All right, two more draft things. Quickly, you're the Charlotte Hornets. Who do you take, Scoot or Brandon Miller? Real quick. <laughs> I would have said Brandon Miller, and, and then I saw Scoot with his shirt off. I got sources close to the situation that say Scoot Henderson had an amazing workout in Charlotte. I'm not going to say who my sources are, but I'm just going to say apparently he wowed people who might have been running his workout in Charlotte. Scoot, yeah, Brandon Miller to me is like, I don't think he'll miss. I think he'll be a very good player. Scoot Henderson is just super exciting because he is huge. He is absolutely enormous for a guard, and he's so explosive. And when you combine the the size and the sheer strength that he has and the power with a lot of actual game and the ability to break down a defense and the the ability to do all those things, like I'm a scoot guy. I'm also a Brandon Miller guy. I don't think they can really go wrong probably with either one. Although it is tougher. Like if scoot fails, I think it could be worse just because like it's tougher to be a point guard who can't really shoot in the league. But but Brandon Miller, he uh he's six ten and can shoot and nope. does has nope. a lot of the versatility that uh the answer is Scoot. The answer he's a super athlete. He's working out with Steph Curry. It's always gonna be Scoot. All right, we only got four minutes left before my uh Zoom runs out. I really should just pay for a full time Zoom, but you know what? I'm cheap. Bradley Beal rumors. The Celtics came out and said, Hell no. They learned from their mistakes. They're not pissing off Jalen Brown anymore. And they said, uh, no, we have no interest. So considering it's not the Celtics, what are your thoughts on possible Bradley Beal destinations? Heard a little bit of Sacramento Kings rumors today. Uh, I forget where else. Miami Heat has been thrown out there. Where do you think? Are you absolutely 100% willing to discard the Celtics from that conversation? Yes. (laughs) I think it's. You're probably right. Why because would look, you trade like for it's basically the same contract? Why would you trade for the older guy? Well, here's not the thing: improve? you could you could do it without giving up Jalen Brown. You could do it and have it be like Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, and draft picks, and probably still build a package that would be enough. However, that would lead to salary hell in the future new collective bargaining agreement hell in the future who do you I have don't... to be hold like handling the b- basketball then like who's your point guard Derek white Derek white yeah yeah he's pretty good <laughs> just, just Derek white <laughs> uh but yeah I, I i i i think bradley beal and the celtics are not a fit at this point partly because of the cba and all the restrictions it places on teams that have huge salary huge salaries and if if Beal, Tatum and Brown were on the same team in 2024 2025 they would 
make up them three alone would be $135 million out of a $143 million salary cap. That seems like a mistake. And and that's with restrictions that come with spending too much money, like a lot of restrictions that come with spending too much money. So I just don't see that happening. I don't see them trading Jalen for him, first of all, because he's younger and was more productive this season, or at least just as productive this season. And why would the Wizards want him? They're rebuilding. He only has one year left on his contract. They can't sign him to a Supermax like the Celtics can, even if they trade for him. They would have to take him on with the risk that he might leave. And it just makes no sense. Um, that said, if he ends up in Miami, if he ends up somewhere like that, it could really hurt the Celtics. It could push no, them. No, the Heat are only good when there's no expectations for them. As soon as they get expectations, they won't be good. That's not a Heat culture. <laughs> heat like, they're, they're not heat culture resign. doesn't know how to handle success? Is that uh, what you're saying? Yeah, they were up 3-0, and they kind of melted. Uh, and then everyone thought they were coming back, and that's when they uh, rejuvenated. They did not handle success well in the finals. They've lost. They're zero and two in the finals in the Jimmy Butler era. I'm just still bitter about it. <laughs> I can tell. I can remember tell. earlier this season where you said James Harden had a better playoff resume than Jimmy Butler. Might not be wrong. Might yeah, not be so if you, wrong. If you look at the totality of it, James Harden. James Harden has the most criminally underrated playoff resume in history, all because he has like three utter duds that are really bad but it's just really hard to be good at the highest level of basketball and he put himself and his team there regularly against the warriors who had the one of the best teams ever that's fair we're about to wrap up the job is over like nikola Jokic said it's time to go home please rate subscribe five stars we'll be back next week to talk about whatever the celtics do in the nba draft thank you all for listening to As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.